You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's read verses 10 through 12 together. The Word of God says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Verse 12, To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. Pray with me very quickly. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we're about to learn about today. We pray that you would sink your word into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Father, help us to leave this place with a greater appreciation of how precious our salvation is. The gift that you have given to us, motivated by your love. We love you, God. Bless everybody here. Bless the kids, the parents. Lord, bless the, uh, um, the servants, the, the deacons, the sound guys and gals. And Lord, we just pray your hand over this whole service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can grab a seat. The message today is titled, Salvation's Motive, God's Grace. Salvation's motive, God's grace. This weekend was a big one for our family. We got to experience the thrill of buying a home and moving into it for the first time in my adult life. (laughs) So for our family, this is something that we see as very, very special. You see, we've never been allowed by God in the former places where I've served Him to be able to buy a house. For different reasons, I believe they're all divinely ordained by God. It's never worked out. But finally, here in Paris, Texas, God has blessed us with a home. And we are so excited about that. I shared with the staff this week just how I feel like God has blessed my socks off with this opportunity to, to, to own a home. And, and my, I see my wife getting all excited. She's building her nest, you know. And, and I love to see her doing that. It's just so exciting for me. But I attribute it all to God's grace, all to his greatness, all to his mercy. One of our recent family devotions, we were studying through the book of Joshua, and we saw how when they crossed that Jordan River, God gave a command that 12 of the men, one man from each tribe, was to go back down into that river and pick up a rock and bring it up to the other side. And what were they going to do with that? They were going to stack those rocks up and build a memorial. And that memorial, every time that a kid saw that pile of rocks laying there and went, Dad, what in the world is that there for? It was an opportunity to say, hey, that's, that was a great day in the history of Israel. That's when God did something awesome for us, for our family, for our nation. And so as we studied through that, the idea was presented, I think, by my son Ezekiel that, hey, we should have a memorial for our family, Dad. And so this past weekend, after we moved into the house, uh, we planted a tree. I had to dig the hole for it, which was quite big, by the way. But the kids came out to help me dedicate the tree, and we had a little ceremony there around the tree that we, pr- we planted. We planted a red maple tree, 
And the idea there is that every time we see that tree, and especially in the autumn time when those leaves turn blazing red, I hope they do like the little picture that came with the tree, you know. You always hope that the tree looks just like that picture, don't you? <laughs> Otherwise, man, you, you're, you're in trouble. But we planted that tree and we had a little ceremony around the tree with my kids and I and my wife. And we said, you know what? This tree is a memorial to the McKay family of just how good God has been to us. And every time we look at this tree, we want to remember. We want to remember how good, how gracious he has been. Because we don't want to take that for granted. He's done so much for us. Starting with our salvation, which is enough in and of itself if you think about it. This morning I was telling that to uh, uh, Greg, Pastor Greg, and his son said, Dad, why don't we do that? And uh, Greg said, well, we already have 17 trees on our piece of property. Of course, now his big task is cleaning up all the leaves, right? But on our yard, we didn't have any trees, so that was my idea behind that. We don't have any trees planted, so that's our first one, and it's our memorial. But today's message is really all about that. We're going to realize how precious our salvation really is. The Apostle Peter is going to give us four reasons that show us that our salvation is incredibly special and should be something that we don't take for granted, because many as we're going to see, have looked into salvation and the grace of God, and although they have not been able to partake of it, they never saw Jesus Christ come and die on the cross for their sins and rise again. You and I have that privilege today, and we should not and cannot take it for granted. So there's four points that will remind us of this, of how great our salvation is, and that it is motivated by grace and should not be taken for granted. Therefore, the first point is the good news of God's grace was inspired by the Holy Spirit. The good news of God's grace was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're one who likes to mark in your Bible, some of you probably do, some of you don't, but if you are and you like to mark your Bible, please underline the phrase in verse 11, where it says, the Spirit of Christ who was in them. And then further on in verse 12, underline the part where it says, preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. You see, in those two phrases, we're going to find the divine inspiration, not only of scripture, but of the entire plan of salvation. And behind God's plan for salvation, we see the motive. The motive is God's grace. You know, I love that verse, John 3.16. You see it on signs at football games all the time. Because people want others to look that verse up and see what it says. That verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is grace in a nutshell. That's God's grace. What was the motive behind him sending his one and only son to the world? It was love. It was love. It's God's loving kindness towards sinners. It's unconditional love, which also makes it incomprehensible love for me. I don't understand it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. And you can't trade anything for it. It's the fact that Jesus Christ came to die for the ungodly, the perverted, the addicted, the used and abused, the thieves, the liars, the cowards, the backbiters, the betrayers, the gossipers, 
all manner of sinners, he died for them, for us, so that we in turn could have eternal life. It's God's grace. It doesn't make sense, but it is wonderful. It is beautiful, and it is gospel truth. Amen? That is what has given us a living hope this morning. Heaven is your home. This world isn't as good as it gets. That is all part of God's amazing grace, you guys. He's the author of true, unconditional love. He loves us continually, and he actually lavishes his grace upon us. He desires to bless us throughout our lives. Now, we often don't understand the way that he does this, because as we talked about last week, God is into refining your faith. Your faith is something that is extremely precious to God. And because it is so precious to him, he is dedicated to refining it and to making it as pure as it can possibly be this side of heaven. Because he's preparing you for the next, what is to come. The next step, that's right. That's what he's preparing us for. So, all of this that he's doing in your life today, it is extremely precious to God. And it is motivated by his goodness, it comes from his grace It comes from his kind favor toward us. That's what grace is. It's God's kind favor towards you. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on how good of a person you are or how many good deeds you can do. God just loves you. And he wanted to bless you. And he started by giving you salvation. That salvation is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It comes from him. In other words, Peter's point here in these verses is that salvation is not something that they just invented out of nowhere to make you feel good. No, this is a message that comes straight from God, and it is for you today. It's for you right now. Whether you're a believer or not, God wants to bless you with the gift of salvation in your life right now, today. Christian, you can wake up and say, man... God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that I am not saved based on my performance. I am thankful, God, that you accept me 100%. I have all of your favor, God, in my life this morning just because you are good. Just because Jesus went to the cross and died in my place. Man, it is a blessed message. It is something that is awesome and it's divinely inspired. I'm not making it up. It's not being made up by preachers around the country. The apostles didn't make it up. It comes from God to you. That's point number one. Secondly, in these verses, we see that the good news of God's grace was inquired of by the Old Testament prophets. So this is something that is supposed to tell us it's special. This is a special message. So let's look at that. Let's look at verse 10 again. It says, Of this salvation... The prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Now, as you see, those words, that would come, are in italicized in the New King James Version, which means we can actually kind of drop those because they're not in the original text. And so we could read this as saying uh, that these prophets, they inquired, searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace to you. God's grace to you. You are a recipient of that grace today. If you're here, you're alive, you're breathing, God is gracious and he has mercy on you. Here we learn, guys, 
that the good news of God's grace was something that intrigued the prophets of the Old Testament from Moses to King David to John the Baptist, who was named by Jesus as the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets, all of them desired to know about salvation. They, they had been testified of this in their hearts about the coming grace, and they wanted to know more about it. Now, on Wednesday night this last week, we looked at some of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah how he was going to suffer, and how he was going to die for the salvation of others. Prophecies like Psalm 22 or Isaiah 53. But those aren't the only ones that are in the Bible. There's many prophecies that speak of God's grace and how he's going to offer salvation, how his salvation was going to come to all peoples. That message, that message was what the prophets wanted to know more about. They wanted to know more about God's unmerited favor. They wanted to know more about this message of God's blessing being lavished upon the lives of the people that he was going to save. And it's not, it was not only interesting to them, but it was intriguing to the point that they carefully searched it out, the scripture says. They were looking for all they could learn about this subject. You know, it's kind of like when you're about to get something new and you know it. You know, when I was a kid in my house growing up, Christmas was a special time because we would get some gifts. And so knowing that, man, we would get the catalogs out. Back in my day, we had catalogs. We didn't get on the internet, you know, and surf things out. But we grabbed a catalog and we started marking it up, man, you know. And then we'd make the list and write it down. It'd be about that long, you know. We'd only get a fraction of it in, under the tree. But we had to know what it was we were going to get, we were interested in it. And it's the same today. If, if you're going to get a new phone, if you're going to get a car, if you're going to get, a, a, well, anything new that's of value, you do research on it. You want to know what you're getting. You want to know what the best thing is that you can get. You're interested in it. That's the idea that these Old Testament prophets had. They were interested in the coming grace of God. They were excited about it. They were like, man, check this out. iPhone 6. It's awesome. What are the features that we get here? You know, no, that, that was the idea behind it. Though, is that hey, this is something that intrigues me. This is something that piques my curiosity. I want to know more about this. I want to know exactly who's coming and when. When is it going to happen? And so they began to search this out. And that's what we see in verse eleven. What were they searching to know? They says in verse eleven here, First Peter, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So we see here two main things that the prophets were seeking to understand more about in relation to God's grace. Here we see, number one, they wanted to know the sufferings of Christ, Messiah. Or in other words, we could say that they wanted to know who this guy was that was going to come and suffer. The prophets of the Old Testament, man, they were interested. They were intrigued by this. And they began to research. They began to search out carefully, it says. You know... Those three wise men who showed up at Jesus' cradle were men like these Old Testament prophets. They searched, they were curious, they wanted to know, who is this guy? And they were, they were wise enough to have figured it out. And God gave them that star to help them know. And they went to find out who Jesus was. 
But secondly, they also wanted to know the glories that were going to follow the Messiah. In other words, they wanted to know when. They were searching carefully, who is this suffering servant of God, and when is he going to be here? Because they, with all their heart, desired to touch, to taste, to know the grace of God in their own lives. Church, are you hungry? Do you recognize and realize the value of the salvation of God that has been offered to you? Do you desire to search it out and to know it intimately as something that is in your heart? Something that you can say, I know without a shadow of a doubt, the grace of God has come to me. That's how the Old Testament prophets were. You know, I'm reminded of my good friend Eddie as I talk about this. He's a young, single Nicaraguan guy living in Costa Rica who, God willing, is going to be getting married in the coming year, in January. Naturally, he's curious about marriage. Never been a part of one before. So he wants to know a little bit about it. And I think that's a great thing. He's head, in, he's head over heels in love with his girl. <clears throat> and he believes that God brought her into his life. But he knows that he doesn't quite understand what marriage is all about yet. And he would often come to my house because uh, we, we had a really close relationship with him. Eddie's mom and dad aren't really walking with the Lord. They, we don't know if they know the Lord. They don't share that spiritual connection. So Eddie really felt close to myself and to my wife, Rebecca, and he would come over to our house and he would just observe us. He would just come over and sit down on the sofa, you know, and and he would just watch how we did family life, you know. It was always kind of like a pressure situation, you know, kind of, you know. Hey, Eddie, you know. Kids, go brush your teeth and get to bed, you know. Instead of, hey, you know. But he would come over because he wanted to know what being in a marriage was like. He wanted to know the pressures of it and all that kind of things. And you know what? He came to see that if there's one thing that can be used as a death tool to a man's flesh, it's a marriage relationship, isn't it, guys? We really have to learn to die to ourselves in a marriage. And Eddie picked up on that. He could see that there was times where I was suffering. Well, actually... He would say, Rebecca was suffering because of my flesh, right? (laughs) Rebecca was suffering. I was just getting hammered by by God, right? Molded, they call it. Something like that. But Eddie saw that side of marriage, and he took away from that, that, man, this is, I need to count the cost. This is something that is not going to be easy. You know, after the infatuation stage is over, There's real life happening. There's real discussions being taken place. I see that Phil's opinion is not always the same as Rebecca's opinion. And sometimes we have to agree to disagree after we have a disagreement, right? But he saw that side of marriage, but he also saw the good side of marriage, I think, I hope. He saw that Rebecca and I were able to work through those difficult things He saw that we were able to get beyond them because of our mutual commitment to Jesus Christ. He saw that because Jesus was Lord in both of our lives, we were able to put those things away and that as we sought the Lord, we grew closer to each other. I think he saw that. I hope that he saw that. You know what? That intrigued him. Seeing marriage... A true marriage relationship, when it is what God has designed it to be, 
It is the deepest, most loyal, loving relationship on this side of heaven. There's nothing, there's nothing that's more deep than, than a true marriage relationship. So he saw the glories of that relationship that was submitted to God. But in spite of all that, he doesn't quite understand it. Why? Because he just hasn't lived it yet, guys. No matter how much I try to explain to him what marriage is like, he'll never fully know until he's married, right? How many people told that to you guys? Oh, man, getting married? Well, good luck, you know. And you're just looking at him going, okay, you know, what do you mean? You know, I don't, I don't know. I remember right before I walked down to the altar, a guy came up to me. This is on my wedding day. I'm in my tuxedo standing in the back. And a guy comes up to me and he says, well, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And he just left me dumbfounded. I was like, what does that mean, you know? What in the world does that mean? Now I can laugh because I know what it means. Just like some of you guys are laughing out there. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? But all of that to say this. He reminds me of these Old Testament prophets in that sense. He knows, he knows that he's on to something good. But he can see that there's going to be suffering as well as glory. The Old Testament prophets were able to see that. They saw, okay, the servant of God, the Messiah, the anointed one, he's going to come, he's going to suffer, he's going to die. But after that comes glory, comes amazing, awesome things. And you know what? That is so true. That is so true. And I don't want to discourage any of you guys that are single and young here today. I want you to know that there is a lot of great things that come in a marriage. There's a lot of glory that comes in marriage after you make it through those hard times. But they, they, those hard times are uh, uh, just something that, that God has. It's part of marriage. In that sense, guys, we need to be reminded that these Old Testament pr- prophets, could, they could see it, but they couldn't quite grasp it because they hadn't lived it. Just like a, a person who doesn't know what it's like to be in a marriage yet. Now, Jesus actually told his disciples this about the Old Testament prophets. He said this in Matthew 13, 17. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So Jesus is telling us that the Old Testament prophets, man, they were desiring, they were longing to get a glimpse of what you and I get to experience on a daily basis. Our salvation is special. What's the takeaway for us? Well, if the amazing grace of God's salvation was so intriguing that it caused the Old Testament prophets so intensely to study it and to pursue it, it should remind you of how precious your salvation really is. It should remind you of how awesome it is that you are partaker that you have an inheritance that no one can take away from you. That you have a living hope today. Let's continue on where we see here the third point. That the good news of God's grace was proclaimed by the New Testament apostles. Verse 12. Verse 12 back in First Peter. It says, To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you. By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. We'll pause right there. 
in this verse, we see that the Old Testament prophets knew they weren't going to see it. But that's okay, because they knew God had a plan to get the gospel out. God had a plan to get the gospel out, and it was through those New Testament apostles and evangelists. The good news was preached by men like Peter, by men like John, by men like Stephen and Philip, who were sent by the Holy Spirit to preach the good news. You know, in that sense, the Holy Spirit's work is still going on today. You know, the Holy Spirit helped those men reach their entire known world. What's to say that the Holy Spirit can't fill you guys and send you out into Paris High School, North Lamar County High School, Prairie Land, and whatever other high schools around here that I'm leaving out? Chisholm, I think. What else? Am I representing everybody? Okay. Rivercrest. There we go. There's all of these places. But listen, guys, God wants to use you and I to preach the gospel today in our community. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Hey, it's something that is an ongoing work. God has commissioned us to bring the good news of God's grace to the lost of our community. So the apostles preached it. It was so special. God gave it to them by the Holy Spirit, sent them to preach it. That work's still going on. We come now to our last point. Point number four, where we see the good news of God's grace is examined by the angels. That last phrase of verse 12 says, Peter says that these are things which angels desire to look into. Now, what is he talking about here? We see that the holy angels are desiring to look into the subject of salvation. They long to understand God's grace. This is interesting. This is very interesting. We don't see too much about angels in the Bible. But just as we, as children of God, we have a longing in us to be done with this body of the flesh and to put on immortality. We have a desire to be with God and in his presence and not have to struggle with our fleshly nature that wars within us day by day. That's our desire, man. That's that's one thing I long for as a Christian, as a son of God. But the angels, conversely, they are longing to look into and to understand God's grace. That word long, it actually means to bend over and to examine something closely. So the angels, the holy angels, man, when they see you mess up royally and fall on your knees and ask God to forgive you, the angels, they're going, wow, I can't believe it. That guy just spit in the face of God. And God forgave him for his sin. Praise you, God. Holy are you, God. You are completely, uniquely other. And we praise you. That's what the angels are doing. They see God's greatness in salvation. They see his amazing grace. And it causes them to well up and to shout out in praise around the throne of God. You know, the book of Revelation, we see that that the throne of heaven is surrounded by angels And they're singing his praises because as they see him forgiving us, as they see him giving us that chance to be washed, renewed, cleaned off, brought into his family, adopted, and continually forgiven, man, they just go, wow. God, you deserve all praise. Amen? So, 
In the Bible, in Scripture, really quick, we're told that angels do certain things. I just wanted to share this with you real quick. We, we know that they oppose demons, according to Daniel 10, verse 13. We know that angels carry messages from God. Matthew 2, 13 is an example. They perform divine services for God. In 1 Kings 19.5, we see an example of that. And they also act as guardians, according to Matthew 18.10. And here, in 1 Peter, this is a new aspect of angels that we learn about. They long, they long to understand God's grace. So, as we conclude this message, I'd just like to remind you that you shouldn't take for granted the fact of your salvation. The Apostle Peter speaks of it here to encourage believers, to encourage you, to encourage me, to not take it for granted the fact that God sent his only son, his one and only son, to die on that cross for you and for me. The message of salvation is inspired by the Spirit. The Old Testament prophets prophets inquired to know more about it. The New Testament apostles and evangelists proclaimed it. And the angels are constantly examining it. You should be overwhelmed by the motive behind your salvation, Christian. It's God's love. His kind favor toward you. He has given it to you because he desires to see you blessed and secure forever. Close with this story about a farm boy who was working in his field one day and he heard somebody crying for help in a nearby lake. He ran to the lake and jumped in the water and was able to pull a a boy to the shore who he found out later was from the city, was visiting in the country and had decided to go for a swim by himself and got a cramp when he was far out from the shore and began to drown. His last effort was to cry for help, which the farm boy heard. Well, later on in that boy's life, in those two boys' lives, the city boy's family discovered that that farmer was looking to go to college. He wanted to study medicine, but he didn't have the funds to pay for it. Well, out of gratitude for saving their son's life, that city family paid for that young man who lived on the farm to go to college and to get his degree. That young man ended up studying medicine, and not only studying medicine, he discovered penicillin. And won the Nobel Peace Prize. Little known to him, his vaccination of penicillin is what saved that city boy's life further down the road in his life. When he contracted pneumonia and almost died. That city boy grew up to become one of the greatest national leaders of England that England has ever known. I'm talking to you about Alexander Fleming the one who won the Peace Prize and discovered penicillin, and Winston Churchill. Now, you want to talk about a gift that was not wasted. We see a great example there, don't we? A farm boy who was given a gift. He took that gift, and man, he saved not only Winston Churchill's lives, but countless other number of lives through, the, through, through coming up with penicillin. That's a great example of not wasting your gifts. Church, You've been given a gift today. You've been given the gift of salvation, motivated by God's grace. He just flat out loves you. And he wants to see you blessed. He wants to lavish you 
with his blessings. Would you not take that for granted this morning? Would you rather instead be blown away by that fact? Wow. And allow that to become the motivation that the Holy Spirit stirs up in your heart as you live for him on a day-to-day basis. As you live for him in your home as a child obeying your parents. As a student applying yourself to what the teachers are presenting before you. As a father providing for that family. As a mother discipling your children and if need be helping to provide for that family. And, and as, as a unit, as a church guys, in the task, the commission that we've been given by God to reach our community. The motivation doesn't stem from me cracking the whip and going, we ought to be doing this, guys. The motivation comes from within as we realize the preciousness of the gift of salvation that has been given to us. Be blessed this week. Accept it. Receive it. It's not my word. It's God's word. It's his grace. He loves you. Let's pray.